2: Whatever. I'm I, that's A-H-I in all capitals. I'm in Toronto, Ontario, Canada right now. I'm a singer-songwriter, uh, recording artist, touring artist, and uh, is it, it's intense.
0: <laughs> Why am I all my misery? Cause I've been spit on, made a mockery. Less than humans, how they look at me. Met and landed by my enemies i don't even know if there's a soldier left inside and
2: i don't even know if there's a fire to revive everything i do is about relationship everything i everything i write is about relationship and i got into music because it's easy to write a love song and be like i'm heartbroken and you know here's, here's the love of my life and i do that too um but the relationship songs that I find most fascinating deal with the everyday life, you know what I mean? The things we don't talk about, the things that don't get up, get on the top pop charts, you know what I mean?
1: Well, hey again, you cosmic travelers. You're listening to The Show on the Road. My name's Zach Lupiton, and I'm so glad you're here on this heat, cold December day so we can dive into the music of I, which has really been warming up my soul the last few days. And I stand before you right now at the edge of a precipice. About a month or so from right now as I record this in my little back bedroom, my wife will give birth to our first child. And the more I listen to Ai's music, the more I realize that he's right. Every song that I've ever written, every book that I've ever read, they've helped me understand how I got here. And every person I've ever loved, every person I've ever talked to who's shared a piece of their mind with me has shaped how my mind works, how I think and how I feel about the world around me. Now, i has got four kids at home, so I'm sure he's got plenty of advice for me. But I'd like to leave you with one quote from the late Bell Hooks, who just died this week. Many of us seek community solely to escape the fear of being alone. Knowing how to be solitary is central to the art of loving. When we can be alone, we can be with others, without using them as a means of escape. Anyway. That's it for me, guys. Please leave us a kind review in the podcast page. Share this show with your friends. And you can come see my group Dust Bowl Revival New Year's Eve at the Fillmore Auditorium in Denver with Railroad Earth. Okay, here he is now. I don't
0: even know if there's a left inside. And I don't even know if there's a fire to revive
2: Wandering through Prospect Cemetery Couldn't be further from home Reading the headstones like poetry Nobody wants to die, you know Never Just released my new record, Prospect,
1: in November. You know, you open this record with that title track, Prospect, right? And we're immediately brought into your family history your story right right? there's no like holding back right we're talking about your grandfather who you never met right and no matter what you do that dna is rolling within you all the time right your family history all the sins and all the glory of people you've never met why did you want to lead with that
2: if it's the story of the record like that that song has my favorite lyric on the record and i said look just give it to them. If, if the audience can get through this song, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's, it's not like that hard to get through, uh-huh. but if they can get, if they receive this song, then they're just going to be coasting through the rest of this record. And it just felt like when we, when we did it, Paul Mayberry, who was the producer of the record, amazing guy. Um, and we, we intentionally went in to say, we want to make this a record from beginning to end, to have that kind of classic record vibe. Um, w- one record I was listening to a lot, when I we were recording, when I was in Nashville, um, "Lovers Rock" Shadé, right? And if you listen to that record from beginning to end, like it has that yes. same feeling, and there's some heavy content on that that record, right? So I think Prospect, it just kind of like that song emerged as the title track. It emerged as my story, and it kind of sets the precedent for everything else I'm talking about in the in the record. So I felt like musically it, it fit, and you know it has an epic intro. But then story wise, it's like this is this is me. This is you're gonna hear me on this record, you know. Here you go. I
0: just wanna live like someone for my top counting on me. Counting on me.
1: Well that line mm. I want to live like someone before my time is counting on me, right? (laughs) It has to, like, you have to kind of bend your brain a little bit to think about almost the time travel vibe of that, right? It's like the past and the future, the present, as we learn from science, are kind of all interconnected, whether we feel like it is or not, you know? Um, The decisions and the pain that our grandparents went through um, I just lost my grandmother oh, wow. Sorry, uh, 93 a uh, couple weeks ago, Right, and you only realize when you think about it deeper, insecurities that she mm-hmm. had, that she had to deal with growing yeah. up through the Great Depression, losing her father when she was three years old, you know, like that's somewhere it's, it's, in yeah, the back of my bloodstream, right? Right. It's like that, that fear that everything could be taken away, right, that... Back then, it was it went, like you right, didn't have right, penicillin. Right. Your dad got pneumonia; it was game over. It's it's like history is connected. There's there's different sicknesses and waves of of uh, renewal that go through our societies. You know, then,
2: you know it's, it's there's the positive stuff we pass on. You know right. what I mean? So like there's this thing. One one of the, the inspirations for that song. This is very like heady, maybe a little bit, but the monarch butterfly. You know what I mean? Starts from North uh-huh. America, and they travel all the way to South America lay their eggs, right. or their larvae, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> right. and then they die in South America. But when the larvae hatches into a butterfly, they know the pathway right, right. all the way back to North America. It's just coded in them. You know what I mean? It's like, can we hack our... This is, this is like heady stuff, but like, can we hack our DNA? Mm. In a way, we're not necessarily like going in and doing sequencing, but just by our actions, right. by how we think, by what we do, by what we pass on to our children, how we raise our children, how we interact with each other, how we face our trauma. Can we hack ourselves so that we produce better offspring? You know what I mean, right. like, and that's kind of what. And then on top of that, can we acknowledge like our history, our ancestry, our, the heritage we come from? How does that affect how we think about the world, how we view about the world? How we look at our, our place in the world. Right. And then say, okay, based off of that, how am I gonna, what am I gonna give to my the next generation? Whether it's your children adopted or whatever it is, like what am I gonna pass on to that next generation? So prospect, this whole record is kind of about legacy. It's kind of about stamping yourselves in time and saying, I'm here to to make sure my life is counted, to make sure my purpose is fulfilled, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, I try to make the, the idea really simple because like when you go into it, it's, it's a, you can have a philosophical conversation about it for hours, you know? But um, Prospect the Song is my way of taking that big complex idea about our purpose in life, our, our place in this life and making it as simple as possible.
1: So let's go back. Uh, you're from Canada, from Ontario, and yeah. um, you grew up in kind of a small town.
2: Brampton is like a suburb of of Toronto. It's about okay. thirty minutes outside of Toronto. Um, it was a suburb when I was born. Now it's, it's it's less less like that. But yeah, it was very like communal in terms of like children, very multicultural. I think in the I'm the youngest of four siblings. Okay, um, and it was like every race was in our childhood group of friends. Like right. you know, like every race, every religion, and we just all hung out and like parents nowhere to be found like I was, and since i was the youngest i was probably out there a lot younger than the other children because my right. brothers were with me but uh, yeah that was that's how i grew up very multicultural very like just we were out there just doing our stuff
1: it's funny so you had four siblings and now you have four kids right
2: Exact. and this is and this is the crazy thing my parents had girl boy 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 my wife and i have girl boy 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 exact wow. same thing what are the, what are the probability of that? Like what's the actual chance of
1: that? <laughs> All right. Do you see your kids like aligning with the order of your siblings, or are they just totally different people?
2: I, I have to wait a little bit, but in my I don't know if it's like I'm imposing that on them. Yeah. But the tr- the trippiest thing is my youngest son is a spitting image. Splitting image, spitting image, what is it? Splitting? image of me like if you look at my baby picture and his baby picture yeah exact same like we're twins
1: yeah i i found that old school video of you singing the bob marley tune with your (laughs) little daughter you know and it's just a great juxtaposition because look we've seen these cover videos so many times where it's like look i'm i'm gonna sing with my kid and it's gonna be like adorable and maybe i'll get a thousand views but like your voice is so like emotional in it and so like in it right because you know like by you singing it that bob marley is like more than just music for you right it's like a prophet right it's like it's like this guiding light so you're going full force and then your daughter's sort of like yeah i'm just gonna mild the words and this is just another (laughs) song my dad's singing on this front she wasn't
2: even even supposed to be in that video yeah she was like we were in we're in london england oxford circus um, I think we just did a. Day. I don't even know what we were doing that day, but we found this like corner and we we sat up on the stoop, and I was doing like I did like at least five takes, and every time I was doing takes, she was ruining my takes. Yeah. Right. So finally, I'm like, yo, my voice is like raspy as heck right now. Like I gotta, if I don't get this one, I don't think I could do another one. Right. And I'm like, just let her in it. Just let her sit in this in the video with <laughs> me, and then and then that was that. And the, the craziest part about that, Rita Marley like actually emailed me. Right. And it wasn't, it was literally Rita Marley. Um, I mean, her team yeah. sent a message from Rita Marley. Uh, and yeah, Bob Marley's like, if I only had to have one musician in my life, um, music in my life, albums, all Bob Marley the Wheeler is like, I can live off of that for the rest of my life. So, no woman
0: Hey, little darling, don't shed no no woman, no crime. Said I remember when we used to sit In a government yard in Trenchtown And little churchy would make the fire light As it was logwood burning through the night
1: but you didn't come from a musical family. You didn't have sort of any leg up nah. in the music industry. And you started pretty late, right? Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: I was probably on my way to become a professor or a, or a priest or something, like <laughs> a philosopher or something. Uh, no, like, you know, my father's Trinidadian, mother's Jamaican, and music is not necessarily either you're full in it or you're, it's not even an option. You know what I mean? Go to school, nah. get an education uh, as immigrants as well to Canada. And you know, but we love music. Growing up, me and my siblings would do like like um, talent shows and videotape ourselves doing talent shows. And I loved singing, but Bob Marley was the reason why I got into it. I was just like, if the music, what I was going through in my life at that time, and the thing, the questions I had about life and and what I wanted to do with my life, Bob Marley was answering a lot of those questions. Yeah. And I said, why isn't there music like this? Why isn't there music that dives into just like lift uplifting your emotions, uplifting your heart in the way Bob was. So I said, I'll I'll make that music. Um but yeah man, I dropped out of school. I was at York University and dropped out, wasn't too happy. My mom's a teacher, my dad was a teacher, my sister's a teacher, godparents, godfather's a principal, godmother is a lawyer, brother's a lawyer. Like, so that was where I was supposed to be going down, right? And I'm the artsy fartsy youngest one. I was like, nah, I'm leaving school. I'm gonna go backpack and I'll be back. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I became a musician, and you know, like, yeah. So, when you say no leg up, it's just been me and my wife grinding and just trying to make sense of it. And I'm just trying to become a better musician and and, and just create better stories and find a way to. My biggest goal is to just make sure that I'm creating something that's going to help people get through certain things in their life. You know what I mean? Just to, right. to, uh, it's, it's important to me that the songs I write help me through life. And if they help me through life, I feel like there's somebody out there that is going to help them through life, right? It's, it's therapeutic. It's, it's like spiritual for me. So,
1: Well, that song, uh, Say It oh, To yeah. Me, feels like an updated Lean On Me, you know, Bill Withers. Yeah, wow. uh, something that like is like a companion for people in need, right?
0: Right. Your words are not lost. Your voice is not weak. If no one will hear you say it to me When your secrets are heavy And you're ready to scream I'll carry the burden, say it to me
1: When you come back from these travels, right, um, do you find that you still have that restlessness within you? Or do you feel like, no, I, I've learned so much and I need to, like, make my home here and spread the word from here?
2: You always... I think the restlessness is, is if, as an artist, you know what I mean, I know you know this, that, that restlessness is also part of your creative yeah. like, process. You know what I mean? So I don't think the restlessness will ever go because you're always striving to, to outdo yourself and just to make better art, more pure art. Right but i feel like every time i've done those travels i've come back with a with a part of myself i didn't know was there right and a, and, a, and a, like so for example like i backpacked across ethiopia for about a month and that experience taught me that i don't i don't think i want to live anywhere else in the world than canada you know what i mean um, and not to say canada's the you know i'm sure a lot of people listening are going to be from the us um, there's something about canada for me toronto that made me realize like this is where I want to raise I lived in England for a while like just raising a family here and I don't know if it's better for my career or not like maybe if I was just right up in Nashville where my whole team is things would skyrocket you know what I mean but family is important to me so one of the things so I backpacked across Trinidad um and the I always come back with these morals or these messages and as you said like one of the things I learned was stay put you know what I mean Mm -hmm. that was like a message that kept resonating with that kept hearing stay put stay put stay put because you're looking for something and what you're looking for is always inside of
1: you uh-huh. right I think the message, for me, the message of this record is um, acceptance and um, the realization that you can keep searching and love where you are and love the people around you and not have to always be escaping. Because I think as travelers, as artists, like you said, there's a reason why that agitation is going on in our yeah. brains to create these little pearls of songs, right? If we were satisfied, if we weren't restless, we it's wouldn't garbage. need to create. There's no there's no <laughs> right. need, right? We could just, right. like, wake up, have breakfast, and that's enough, you know? Right. But we have to do this other thing. It's a calling. It's a gift. It's a curse sometimes, right? Mm. Because I find that as I'm about to have my first child, and by oh, me, wow, I mean congrats. my wife is about to have the child. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. In January, um, congrats, man! And I wish we were in Canada to be real. To um, remember, <laughs> we're talking no about no family that. Leave here. Anyway, um, <laughs> I find that I'm ashamed that I have not created more stability for mm. this little being. Right? right, right, right. That like this wandering life that I've created, which honestly, like, I'm proud of of the music and the the art that I've created and that it's sustained me to a point. But like, it's hard to not compare yourself with people who are like really making it right. Or like right. have the house with the yard and the pool. Right. And the nice car and the vacation cabin. And you're like, Oh, that would be great for my little one because now it's not about me. Sometimes
2: with the whole prospecting too, sometimes we, we measure other people's lives based off of our failures. Right. Right. So we say, you can't do that because I failed at that or whatever it is. Like my dad was a musician, but whatever he did, right? So yeah, man, like we're living in a time where I don't think we understand how much, I don't know if this is a proper term, but comparison comparison anxiety we're dealing with. I think that this is the highest in yeah. human history. Oh yeah. There's no way we could be, we could see this many people's lives. And then not only on top of that is everybody, most people, not everybody are, are faking it.
1: Yeah,
2: are are curating and designing what they want us to see. Right, right. So you, that's the we Me and my wife talk about this thing all the time. Like this, like, are we not doing enough? You know what I mean. But then you got to compare yourself to where you were ten years ago. Right. You know what I mean. Like when my first child was born, we were we were in a bachelor apartment, one futon bed. Now we're in a whole house. You know what I mean. Like yeah. that in itself is something to applaud. Maybe you don't have the mansion. Maybe you don't have the, the, you know, the, the investment account that, that you want or the, the amount that you want invested, but whatever it is, but it's, it's crazy that I think that's something that's going to be studied about how much right. we're forced to compare ourselves to others. And we're going to see that it's going to have some, some effects on our, our mental health um, in ways that we can't know yet. You know,
1: when you put a song like uh coldest fire into the world, right. Mm-hmm. Um, you can feel that sort of helplessness that, you know, am I doing enough? Am I saying enough? Right. Right. When you're witnessing something like the George Floyd uh, murder as a person of color, it's like, look, this has happened so many times. Why is this going to be the thing that changes everything? Right. Right. How did that song uh, start coming into your brain?
2: Yeah. Well, the George Floyd incident brought certain black individuals that I know personally, to speak up about things that I've never heard them speak up about before, and not because right. they weren't for the cause. Of the, it's just like it did something to our psyche and our souls that I don't think anybody really understands. Um, and I remember making a post, and this lady said to me, "So I toured South the south, Southern Southern states to a very strong Christian audience, and one of the fans, a lot of fans came from that." Group. You know what I, mean? I, I I don't, I, I'm not in the Christian music scene. It's just that I happen to tour with Lauren Daigle, she's okay. an amazing artist. Uh, we're on tour for like two years, so I built a following there.
0: Wow.
2: Um, so while I am a Christian, I make I make folk, singer-songwriter music. That's how I, I look at it, right? So this lady said to me, we should pray for George, what did she say? We should pray for, for Derek Chauvin. Right. Let's pray for the police officer. Right. She said huh. that to me on my on my post. Right.
1: That's nice.
2: And I and I, I had this long response that I want to say. My wife was like, my wife who's also my manager. She was like, I don't think you should say that. I <laughs> yeah. think you just 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 leave it alone. And I was like, look, when I respond to my fans, I respond to them for everything. Like, so I say that when they say something good, I respond to them. When they say something bad, I respond to them. I I'm, I respond to every one of my fans. So why would I just ignore this? Right. Right. And it kind of, like I said, you got to support me on this. You know what I mean? You got to be with me on this because I feel like something needed to be said here. So yeah. I, I wrote her a big, a long response and she apologized. She's like, I didn't mean it like that. And what I just, ultimately I said to her, I was like, I'll pray for the cops who are in the industry trying to figure out what to do, what's right or wrong. I'll pray for George, for his family. But like Derek Chauvin, whatever his situation that's between him and God, like, like yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I have nothing to do. Like I, I don't need to pray for him right now. You know what I mean? And it's right. t- even if I wanted to, like, why are we even saying that? You know what I mean? Like, there's so many people hurt from this that I'm gonna pray for the guy who murdered someone. You know what I mean? Like, I get it, but it's like I'm Christian, but I, I have certain lines yeah. of, <laughs> where I can draw, right? So what I realized at that point is like I'm in this weird space. Like I'm 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 very aware of my heritage, I'm very so aware of my social place in life. But I also have this strong fan base of Christians, mm. some of them evangelical, who will say blue line or will say things that I'm like, oh, uh, yeah. you know, like or will take my words and use them to kind of have a kumbaya moment. Yeah. Right? To say, you know, so the post I made was literally, do you remember that that I think the guy was from Minnesota or or Detroit where it was a, it was a sergeant who was like gave daps to a, a black guy, a police sergeant, and like it went the picture went viral. Uh-huh. Like, he gave he gave pound to him. Picture went viral. There was a whole video, and he came out. Um, it was, I think it was a mayor or a sergeant, and, like, they were hugging. Yeah. So I said, the more of this we'll see with with police interacting with the community, the less of this we'll see. And it's Derek Chauvin on George Floyd's neck, right? Okay. And some people are using that as an excuse for me to say, like, I don't know how they took it, but I felt like I was being used as a scapegoat for, like, something. You know, like, like, oh, we... As if we love the cops, then we'll all be fine. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if we tr- if we treat cops good, then and it's like nah, that's not what I'm trying to say. So I was just, I, it came to a point where was like, obviously my life matters. Right. Obviously, I want to see more equality for my people. Um, but if I say something, people are going to take my words and skew it one way. they Are they are going to turn against me if I don't say something? Right. Then am I am I being a hypocrite? So the, the, it came from this idea that. I don't want to be in this BLM war or this blue line war. Like for me, it comes down to one simple thing: humanity. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah.
2: Um, yes, my life matters. I'm not going to beg you to to acknowledge that. Yeah. I don't come from that background. I understand it matters. I'm going to keep plowing forward like it matters, and whether you acknowledge that or not, whether I can get you to say Black Lives Matter or not, I'm going to live like I have worth in this life. Yeah. You know. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it just it was just it was like. In that moment, I was just like, I gotta say something, and I said it. And I don't know if it, you know, I don't know if it means anything. She came back and apologized. At least she didn't double down That's and try huge. to argue with me. And she was like, "I love your music. I just want to let you know I'm a huge fan." And like, I you know, I just want to let, you know, because this might be controversial, and I don't you know, I've been alienating Lauren Daigle fans for a while because of the things I'm saying. But as Christians, we can't use our faith as an excuse to not look at the social issues in life. You know what I mean? Like. As a Christian, you're, you should be kind of anti-establishment. You shouldn't be pro-establishment. As a Christian, you should be not against the law, but you're not like... It, it's, I don't, don't want to get into too much of the religious side of it, but I feel like now more than ever, I kind of have to speak on it. Right. But it's like Christians use Christianity often as a, as a, as a barrier
1: uh-huh.
2: from them in reality. And it's like, yo, if you just look at the Bible, Christ was killed by the government yeah that's that's what it came down to you know what i'm saying so for us to be like pro-government and pro-establishment and just kind of like hiding behind these institutions and saying slavery do, did, didn't matter um racism doesn't exist all cops are good like it's yeah. not even in, in accordance with what what's in the bible you know what i mean like right so it it doesn't make sense to me i don't speak about it a lot because i just i think it's such a touchy subject yeah but i'm learning more and more that like my voice in this conversation matters you know what i mean so the the, the line on coldest fire is i'll be damned if i do damned if i don't but i won't be damned at all so i'm just going to kind of say what i want to say
0: yeah i've always chosen peace but me
1: it's one thing i think it's one thing to start speaking your mind about some pretty intense american subjects right i mean they're global subjects but i think a lot of this is very deeply rooted in americans america's unique uh racist past um but if you go back to your first release indie soul right you have a song called older than us right oh
2: you know why wow, you were back
1: <laughs> you go way back to what 2016 or so right yeah wow it's like you were saying some shit way before people knew who you were and you yeah, have that really. line you know when truth becomes treason war becomes a playground you know where did it all begin like who like how deep in us is this you know right maybe it goes all the way back you know
2: i'm i'm very impressed with with you when i wrote those lyrics you know, my older stuff was extremely political, in a lot of this on that indie soul record. You know, there's a song called "We All Know."
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, it's 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 literally talking about trickle down economics. Right. You know what I mean, and then you know, um, I don't I don't separate my faith from social issues. Right. But I try to I tackle this stuff with humanity and not with politics, because I think at the core of everything, and this is kind of going back to a Prospect is that we are living out traumas and legacies Mm -hmm. from the past and holding on to these things. And sometimes the best thing to do is just start over, start with a clean slate. Right. And just say, you know, I'm wrong, you're wrong, let's start over. Let's figure out how how to to sort this out. The other side is that the same way we're looking at life right now, we're like judging ourselves amongst, as musicians, you know, we talked about the Spotify Spotify rap numbers and the... You know, like the house and the person who's getting nominated for Grammy right now that, and that we haven't been nominated for, and it's amplified because of social media, right? So we're gonna look at how that has affected our our brains, our neuroplasty in a couple, in ten years, twenty years from now,
0: right? Uh-huh.
2: When our parents were growing up, they had television, and I think it's hard for them to accept their hand in this implicit bias. Because they didn't themselves create the systems that program them to think like that. Hmm. It's so it's like so. There's a level of compassion that I think we need to have. Whereas I think in society now, we're like throw all these racists out. I hope they all die in this generation. The boomers, right. they, Just let them die off. You know what I mean? They have a lot of information they can still obviously give us. They have experience that they can give us. I think there's just a way that we kind of have to like unlock on understanding that I don't know if I am making sense, but like one, it's not their fault completely because right. they were like, there's videos of these, of, of our parents in bomb shelters, waiting for Russia to bomb them. Like, you know what I mean? Like right. that, <laughs> you know what I mean? That was like put in their head, right? And we look at that now, we laugh at that stuff, right? I mean, but they were, they, they saw the TV, TV told them all cops were good. I don't think all cops are bad. I don't agree with that. I don't, I don't like that sentiment. Um They'd say that cops are heroes, nothing's wrong, listen to your teacher, your teacher's never wrong, the authority is always right. And they were programmed that way, you know what I mean? One argument I have with my mom, is funny, it's not an argument, but like, she's like, we raised you guys, we didn't do anything wrong. I was like, well, <laughs> yeah. you know, they, like, they, they think they were perfect parents and it's like, it's not that you're a bad parents, it's that there's so much more information in the world that we realize certain things are not smart. Like, certain things are just dumb. Like, smoking around your children, maybe not smart. Um, Having Coca-Cola for breakfast, I don't think we did that, but I've seen children do that. Maybe not smart. You know what I mean? Like, now we have more information. We can do things differently. We can educate our children differently. Um, I don't want to make excuses for racism. I don't want to make excuses for for stubbornness. Mm -hmm. But I think patience is something that, even though our parents might not have it as much as we can, like, we got this generation has to have it. On the mere fact that the amount of information out today was not awarded to them right um and afforded to them, so just because we because we have more information, we just gotta be more patient with them in in kind of like getting them to a place where they can understand maybe they're wrong about something, you know what I mean
1: the thing that confuses me about the gun violence issue right right is that we do have the data right, right? we have all the information in front of us, we see these these school shootings like what happened in Michigan recently happen again and again with disgruntled, confused young people, but all sorts of different people who then reach for this tool of destruction that is readily available, and then they take away people's lives, right, who had nothing to do with their own inner turmoil. And yet, unlike smoking or um, certain drugs or you know, even like poverty and racism, things that are in the world that we acknowledge, this is bad, we need to try to change it. We like double down in the opposite direction in this country with guns,
0: right. Right. where we're giving
1: people <laughs> more ability to open carry and to just have guns in schools and in concerts and in churches, like we're some sort of Wild West like, shootout gallery you know so
2: danger is a song i wrote on this record right you know let's segue to the record um and it's about a mother who lost her son to gun violence. when i wrote the song i didn't think that the child died in the song only until i found out that i uh, so i I, i'm gonna before i go into like what this how the song came about i want to address the issue we just talked about so I, i try to avoid the political side of it and focus more on the the heart like it's it, i think it all comes down to the heart how we how we look at each other how we value life you know what i mean and we're getting into a world more and more where we don't value life as much you know and it's 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 i don't know if it's i don't know what it is i don't know what the cause of it is but we got to address the heart i think that's that's like it may sound cheesy but you know they always say guns don't shoot themselves yes. <laughs> you know what i mean like and i, I want to flip that and say well, well why are we shoot then why are the people doing it right Okay, we got that. Guns don't shoot themselves. So let's let's leave that issue alone and ask why are the people doing it then and, and, and address the people, right? Um, anyhow. Timothy was left on Adelaide to lay there
0: cold in his own blood. Shadows fall down endless alleyway of fiendish pain where bullets struck. Ricochet low. Innocence, don't shield your skin, protect your fragile bones Single teardrop, gazing into dust as he looked up and he cried I feel danger, hear me calling Be my savior, Lord, hear me calling I'm afraid, hey, night is falling Don't let me die alone I feel danger, lift my breath, my heart, my soul. Lift my breath, my heart, my soul. But I think
1: the thing that you do so well is, um, again, you go after the hard questions, right? But then I think <laughs> once we've talked about it, I think there's a lot of really great love songs and these moments of softness, honestly, of like, hey, we have each other. That's enough. That's awesome, right? Right, right. Um, I mean, the song that obviously, you know, kind of went viral and, and a lot of people have heard Old Sweet Day off uh, We Made It Through the Wreckage, right, right? right? Now, it's a sweet love song, but I think it also says, like, we've kind of come through this trauma together and we have absolutely. each other and that's like the most important thing especially once you have a family absolutely
2: yeah yeah I mean that that was. I wrote that song in Nashville it was the first song I wrote in Nashville and it was, it was it was the first time I was away from my family for a longer period of time than a couple of days you know what I mean it was like a couple of weeks yeah. and That is that is the essence of what of everything I write about. Like we have each other, and that's all we got in this life. You know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah.
2: um, And any song you hear on my record, on any of my records, I believe there is a thread of relationship in
0: it.
2: I don't think I've written a dance song. You know what I mean? I don't think I've written a let's go party all night. Not not yet. Yeah, yeah. I tried to write it. It's just corny. It's like busy life. It's about like dancing shoes and stuff. I just, but I might do that, you know what I mean? I'm not saying I wouldn't do that, but I, I feel like you have a limited time on this planet um, and your message has to be succinct. Like if you're about getting money, about going to the club and dancing and having fun, that's beautiful. If you're about rocking out and just vibing, that's beautiful. If that's your your message. But for me, family and, and relationship and just me, I've been in isolation before the pandemic. Like, like when i backpacked i wasn't with a group of people like it was just me by myself many nights in my own head you know what i mean trying to figure out okay what am i doing tomorrow where's my food coming from tomorrow you know what i mean um so yeah like there there's i just want to be with you when the darkness comes like the darkness is 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 the bad shit. you know what i mean things that you're fighting you're you're afraid of you know just Are we gonna get a house are we gonna be able to live in a a sustainable place like you know right now my wife and i are doing great but like there was a time when we were like going to the asian food market buying a pack of avocados hoping that one of them (laughs) were not (laughs) totally disgusting you know what i mean like um it i think you're absolutely right when it comes down to just like we are all trying to find a way to live in this life and unfortunately when we get into this comparison thing it uh, it forces some people to push other people down so that they can feel that their life is more valid, valid validated or that they have more in this life and i think for me it's just like none of that's none of that matters
0: Sweet name, yeah.
1: song called full circle on your record which i love of sort of like feeling like a misfit in your own skin right feeling like nothing is ever right except when i can be with the person who loves me and appreciates me right it's like the wandering and the restlessness that's always going to be within us right right the doubt about our future the doubt about um, our safety and our um, economic <laughs> stability. But, right, like, right. when I'm with this person, that's like the most important thing about falling in love. It's like this person is like mm. home base, right? It's like right. the one yeah. place so I can be safe and believe in things, you know? And that's a beautiful, beautiful message.
2: It's, oh man, I mean, you know, not sound cheesy, but I have a, I have a, you know, my wife is like my muse, you know what I mean? Like every song yeah. I write is about her. She's also my manager, you know what I mean? She, a lot of you know conflicts I, of
1: interest there, you know?
2: A lot, a lot. We had a great conversation last night about, <laughs> 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 about that. There's nowhere I'd rather be with
0: you lying next to me. The comfort I find in your
2: eyes, I'm no longer searching. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I don't write anything that's not honest to me that i like without her I wouldn't be where I am in my career you know what I mean Um, and I feel like you know artists we are like an interesting breed of people like if you can find someone that could like I don't know what your situation is but like a lot of artists don't have support from their spouse like they're they're there yeah but they're not there with rocking with them because it's a hard thing to do I go on tour you got women like dm me not like in a sexual way but just like i love your music you're so awesome your voice is so awesome and, i'm, I'm sure know.
1: there's a few a few you know ladies I, i'm who are not interested a f- you're a good looking fellow i mean let's be I mean, real I'm, I'm,
2: I'm all right <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty good at fending that off because like i go stage and say my wife is my manager this is my like talk about my children so like i think people are, are like okay that'd be weird to like you, you gotta you gotta be careful so yeah um <laughs> but my point is like a lot of wives or spouses i won't just say wives because if you're a female musician um or whatever your circumstances your spouse your partner may not get it because they're not out yeah. there with you you call them oh man it's a great show but to have my wife she gets it right. she's rooting for me and she's like mm. i'll come back i'm like she's like how the show going i'm like oh it's cool like tell me more like she wants to hear because like she's yeah. living through it with me um i don't know where i'd be man i don't know if i don't know if you deal with apathy but like, I deal with that a lot, like just kind of like, mm-hmm. um, what's the point of certain things? You know, I try yeah. to encourage myself and she, she's she's my motivation. She's my inspiration. So like, I, I would, I'd probably still be a wandering soul if I didn't meet her and I don't know what I would do without her. And um, she keeps me grounded. Um, we, we have a great family. We talked about the children earlier and like the way we raise our children, the way our children respect us, the way they're very much a part of my career. When I signed my first deal, my children were there. When I signed my first booking agency deal, my children were there. You know what I mean? Like those things matter to me. And I and I and I hope that for you as well. You know what I mean? Like we like I'm not trying to educate you or tell you anything because I have four children. So like, you know, like I have a little bit of a head start on you.
1: You should educate me.
2: Okay, okay. (laughs) I would just say like let your children see the process of what Mm. you're doing as much as possible so that they can respect it. When you get older I feel like a lot of people in the entertainment industry separate their jobs from their family which is awesome but I think letting your children see not just the creation of music not just the stage but the in, the meetings the interviews the mm. when you're when you're writing an article for a blog that you don't even want to do let them see all that stuff so that they can understand what you're doing and value it and appreciate it even if they don't end up in music right you know because we are all every single musician is an entrepreneur you know what I mean I don't care what you do, who you work with, who's your signed to, you run, you're an entrepreneur, you have to run your own ship, you know what I mean? Um, and they, it's, it's, it's beneficial for them to see that and understand that, you know what I mean? So that's, and I have a wife that allows me to do that, you know what I mean? She could be doing anything else in the world, right? Uh, she's super talented and she chose to waste her talents on my career, right? So, <laughs> so um, full circle, man, like, you know, that's how I feel like with, with with a lot of things in our life. My albums, we made it through the wreckage, was about the past coming out of trauma, coming out of like crazy experiences. Then we went through in our time, which is about the present, us figuring it out, getting getting there, stabilizing our lives, and prospect is about the future. Mm. You know, choosing your destiny and saying, I know my purpose, I know my calling, let's go, let's get it. Right. Um, and without her, that there's none of that. So she, and she's at the she's at the center of every one of my records in a weird way.
1: All right, if you could have dinner with one person from history, dead or alive, Dave Chappelle. Ooh, oh. dead or alive? Dead or alive?
2: <sighs> so like, <laughs> the pop culture answer to me will say Dave Chappelle. Okay. The the religious answer would say or the, well, I'll give you three answers. Can I give you three answers? Great. Pop culture is Dave Chappelle like as the social black, I think Martin Luther King would be great. Right. Yeah. And then like on the religious side, I would think like, Jesus, like that's, that's like, not the whole point, the last supper, like that's, that's. All right.
1: <laughs> Let's say you could go out to dinner with Jesus, Dave Chappelle and <laughs> Martin Luther, Luther King. King Jr. <laughs> Where in Toronto would you go to eat?
2: Oh my gosh. I don't go to a lot of restaurants. I'm a vegan. So they would all hate me.
1: <laughs> um,
2: Honestly, this is gonna be a cop out answer, but I'd have to cook for them, man. Like, have right. like i like, I'm cooking for y'all. Like you know, I'm, I'm making
1: food. Like, what's your signature but, dish?
2: Mexican, man. Some Mexican, like 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 salsa, like tossed up like peppers and stuff, like and some very hot spicy stuff. Um, I like nacho platters like crazy. Like I don't know, like just something some communal that we could all eat. You know what I mean? Right. Like a big giant nacho platter we could all just pull off and eat from. That would be kind of cool. Not just sharing nachos with, like, Dave Chappelle and Jesus. Like, come
1: on. I mean, right. they should film that and put it on HBO Max.
2: <laughs> Is that a lame answer? <laughs> Dave Chappelle, Martin Luther King, and Jesus? No. I, would, I, think I, I, would need, I think I need to have a female
1: at that dinner table. All right.
2: Mahalia Jackson. We'll throw Mahalia Jackson in there.
1: Great. Are you able to play a song for us to take us out?
2: Yeah, I'm going to play, um, I guess we spoke about my wife a lot on this one. So I'm going to do uh, Until You it's uh it's kind of refers to my backpacking days, and after those days, I met my wife and my life changed. so this is uh this one's all on to you right? Let me get this. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it, man. great conversation. All right. <laughs>
0: I can give but I give Until now, until you never want to beg, still you let your head yeah. found me street pitiless. You reached out and crowned me king. Didn't know where to go, so love on the outside. Every day's a Wednesday, it's about time. About time my father woke to keep me woke. I was one of the wandering, trying to fight through the elements. Time stood still when you first walked in. Fate made plans I could never predict. I was empty, lost without a clue. Until now.
2: breathe it.
1: <laughs> Hot damn. Big thanks to I for talking to me from Toronto. Uh, you can go to iMusic.com. That's A H I Music.com. He's got some concerts coming up playing in uh, Toronto at the Great Hall February 26th and in Ottawa, Montreal, Quebec City, Boston, Brooklyn. Lots of really cool shows coming in the new year, so please support him. I'm going to go see him at the Moroccan Lounge in March here in L.A. If you're curious when my group Dust Bowl Revival will be playing a hometown L.A. show, well, it's going to be a big one, March 31st, opening for the infamous string Dusters at the Wiltern in L.A. Please check that out, dustbowlrevival.com, and we'll see you in Denver New Year's Eve at the Fillmore. It is not too late to support your favorite bands and artists by buying some merch, t-shirts, vinyl, whatever you need this holiday season. We have it, 20% off, DustbowlRevival.com. Please check it out. And I really want to thank everybody who's listened to this show over the last three years. Uh, I'm probably going to take a little break coming up since... There's a baby on the way, and we have some really cool new shows that will start in the new year, including my talk with wild frontman and founder of St. Paul and the Broken Bones, Paul Janeway, and coming soon, my talk with Grammy winner Keb Moe. As always, The Show on the Road is written, produced, and edited by yours truly, Zach Lupiton. Sorry for the lawnmower going off right outside my window as I record this. And please check out our Instagram page, at Show on the Road Podcast, where we have really cool exclusive video of folks like I talking and playing music. You like music, right? Anyway. Thanks for supporting the show. Stay safe, get vaccinated, get boosted, and we'll see you on the train.